and we're meeting at the outdoor pavilion. Okay, so it's like the the place that we called the cocoon when it was winter and we plasticed it in. That is where we are meeting. Okay, so we're going to meet in that outdoor pavilion. And um, if you haven't been there before, it's right across from the administration building. Um, so the only place that we cannot go, so what you can do is if you show up and you think you're at the wrong place, is investigate all the buildings except for one because we're allowed in all the buildings except for one. We just can't go in King Hall. Okay, and it says... King, does it say King Hall on it? It's, I thought it's, yeah, okay, it says King Hall on the front. What? Yes, it's the only one with a ramp. It looks very inviting. The one that looks very inviting, we cannot go in, but we can go in the rest of them. <gasps> Tony's here. Hi, Tony. <laughs> uh, I also want to point out that Morgan is here. Yay, Morgan! She surprised Michael today. Pretty exciting. Michael, the rest of us all knew. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, we tried to keep it secret. <laughs> um, okay, so we get there at 1030. We're going to have um, worship teaching first thing, and then we're going to have um, a lunch together. Everybody is responsible for packing their lunches because we're going to have a picnic lunch, okay? So whatever your family needs, you pack it, and you put in a cooler or whatever, bring yourself a blanket, and we're going to spread out our blankets, and it's going to be very peaceful and amazing, depending on weather. <laughs> if it's not, if it's raining and cold, we will pack up our blankets and our food and spread them out inside the tabernacle building, and that will also be amazing. And if there are only like 10 of us there, we can go inside the prayer chapel, which is heated. So that's also an option. We've got a lot of options, um, and they're all good. So we have our picnic lunch together, and then after our picnic lunch together, we head back outside for a team building exercise. We still don't know who for sure is leading the team building exercise. We may have someone from our group lead it. If not, Adventure Serve is willing to lead something, but we do have to pay them. So we're trying to avoid that. So we'll see how that goes. So um, after our team building exercise, which is going to be awesome, and everybody's going to love participating. After that, we are going to have a silent retreat time, probably just 30 minutes or so, but we would like everybody to participate, including the children. So if um, whatever would be helpful for that exercise, we can wander around, we can have um, materials ready, like paper and crayons and journals, whatever, um, for our silent retreat time. We're going to come back together and share either in a couple groups or in one big group depending on um, who ends up being able to come to the whole retreat day. And then following that, we are going to have a big fire. I don't know. Do you guys remember Cosmo? And he builds like a lot of things. He built these really cool um, swings around the fire pit there. And so we'll have the fire going and somebody who knows how to do that will start it for us. Not me. And then we're going to sit around the fire, and Adani and Noel are going to lead us in worship. Thanks, guys. I'm glad you're back from exploring the United States. <laughs> and um, we're going to sit around the fire. And what we'd like to see happen is to have a couple people sign up for pots of chili. So if that's something you'd like to do, please text me. And then somebody sign up for s'mores materials. So we'll be able to have s'more things over the fire, and then also the pots of chili will be really easy. We'll have access to the camp kitchen, not King Hall kitchen, the camp kitchen. So we can put the chili in the refrigerator when we get there, and then we can just plug it in to heat up however long it needs to, to take. So I think it's just going to be something really simple. And then we'll get some paper bowls and bring them. So bring your own water, bring your own picnic lunch. If you're somebody who signs up for chili or something, you can bring that as well. But that just minimizes costs and maximizes fun <laughs> for all of us. So I think it's going to be simple but amazing. Um, does anybody have questions after the little rundown? We, the evening is not going to be like a typical service. It's going to be a lot of sharing and some worship time around the fire. Questions? Yes, Nicholas. There is no cost because we're not paying for anything. <laughs> At least not that we're aware of. <laughs> if you want to chip in two cents for a paper bowl, <laughs> that'd be awesome. But no, there's no cost. Adventure Serve is, it is a cost for them to even let us use the space. But because we've helped them with so many things throughout the years, they're very willing to let us use the space for free. So that's really awesome of them to let us use 
all of those different areas without paying anything. Their bathrooms will be open too, just not the ones in King Hall, the outdoor ones that we've used before. Okay, um, I think that's it for announcements. Um, you think of anything else? Oh, Rachel Lopez is in town this weekend. Uh, for those of you who know her, she's part of our community for a long time until she graduated. But um, they're going to try to stop by tonight. Not sure if they'll be able to, she and her fiance, JD. But they are getting married in December if you want to send them a quick text or just pray for them or anything like that. It's, it's been a whirlwind but wonderful romance. We got to meet them this afternoon. So that's really, really cool. A lot of celebrations. People getting married and having babies and all the things. Awesome. Good? Okay. All right. Kids, come on down. Come on down. Hey, baby. Ooh. Cohen. Cohen. Where are you? He's back there finishing his picture. There he is. <laughs> Samuel said, what about Zeke? <laughs> there he is. Yeah, come on, man. They want you, dude. You're their leader. <laughs> the fearless leader. <laughs> okay, so guys. I just want to talk to you about four words. It's just a short sentence with four words. Now, one of the words has three syllables, so it's a little bit bigger. And a guy named Jeremiah said this. Um, and I'll tell you about a little bit about the time period when he said this. We're going to do that later, though. Right now, I just want to tell you the sentence. Okay, four words. Why don't you guys say each one after I do? Great, Great. is As. your, your. Faithfulness. faithfulness. Those four words, that's what Jeremiah said. When he said, Great is your faithfulness, who do you think he was talking to? But thank you for staying on top of me. You are accurate. Not surprised, Cohen. Sharp as a tack. All right. So who do you think Jeremiah was talking about when he said, great is your faithfulness? Who? He said God. Who did you say? He's talking to us. Well, yeah. I guess that's technically true, too, because God put it in the Bible. God is talking to us through Jeremiah. But Jeremiah said that to Yahweh, to the one true God. He said, great is your faithfulness. Somebody tell me what you think faithfulness is. Oh, such a good answer. Samuel said faithfulness is being good and kind. Who else wants to talk about faithfulness? Yes. Um, faithfulness is like, like you have faith in something, like you keep going for something, kind of. <laughs> That's, that, that, we'll come to you in a second. To keep going in something? Yeah, if God didn't keep going with his kindness and his goodness towards us, we'd be in a real mess. We need his goodness and his faithfulness to keep going. Cohen, what else did you have to add for faithfulness? Trusting the Lord, following him, and not giving up. That's exactly right. You know, God shows his faithfulness to us, his thumbs up to us. He keeps going and being good and kind to us, and that helps us keep going with faithfulness to him. If he wasn't faithful to us, we wouldn't be faithful to him. We couldn't even be faithful to him without his help. And you know what it says in the Bible also? Here's another verse. This one is in the New Testament. It says, if we are faithless, you know what faithless means? 
Yes. No faith, the opposite of faithful. Even when... Right. When we don't, when we're not faithful, we're not doing good, kind things. But God says, if you guys are faithless, I still remain faithful. We can't change God being faithful. He just is who he is. Now, back to Jeremiah. Do you know when he said, great, amazing, big, powerful is your faithfulness? Do you know what was going on? He was praising, but do you know what kind of day it was? Do you think it was a sunny day? He's like, no. Do you think it was a happy day? No. In fact, it was so terrible. Jeremiah's friends, his family, they were dying. They were starving. Some of them were being killed. And in the midst of that, while he was lamenting, it's from the book of Lamentations, while he was feeling sad, he said, great is your faithfulness. So on sunny days when everything's feeling good, we say, great is your faithfulness, God. You're good. You're kind. You're always providing for me. You keep going. But also in the times where it's rainy, in the times where we're hurt or people we love are hurt and things aren't going our way, we say, great is your faithfulness. So those four words, when it's going good, we say what? Thank you, Cohen. Let's do that all together, right? When it's really good, what do we say? Great is your faithfulness. Good. When it's going bad, what do we say? He's always faithful. All right, let's put it in here. We're going to say that three-syllable word, faithfulness, on three. All right, make sure we say faithfulness loud. One, two, three, faithfulness! All right, excellent, excellent. Excellente. You know, um, I think I have a better idea now why we didn't have a speaker scheduled for tonight. Um, And I love how God works together. I appreciate Caroline running sound and also putting the playlist together. And that last song um, where the guy's singing about great is your faithfulness, I know you're going to do it again. Um, I know you're going to come through and I I know you're going to show your faithfulness. As I was hearing that, um, just an idea that seemed inspired came into my mind. And I really want to invite everybody uh, tonight to stir up in your mind, in your memory, in your remembrance, times when God proved himself faithful. Um, You know, in September, uh, I shared three different times about all the words that we're believing God is going to bring to pass for dwelling. Words that have not yet come to pass. The flood, the beach of Wilmore, the family army of friends. We're developing there, but we're not near what we're going to be. Tonight, I just want to hear from different people. Um, Even if you don't feel like it's time to take the mic and uh, speak about it, I want to hear from anybody who has something to say about God's faithfulness. We don't want the whole uh, life story at this point. We care about your life story. It's beautiful and wonderful, and we bless God for it. We bless you. But tonight, we just want to share about instances where God proved himself faithful. And I'll start by saying this. When I was 21 years old, uh, many of you are aware of this, I was living a destructive lifestyle, drugs and hedonism and all the, uh, that stuff. And in a single moment, an 18-year-old put his hands on me, prayed over me, and spoke four words, and I was delivered instantly and went from dark uh, to light in a moment. And have never looked back. It's been 18 years Um, so God proved himself faithful in that moment to me. And one of the last things this 18 year old prophetic kid said to me, he said, 
in full-on Georgia accent. He said, Travis, the Lord's going to prove himself faithful to you. The Lord's going to prove himself faithful to you. The Lord's going to prove himself faithful to you. And you know, Paul learned this when, uh, when something's repeated, that means you pay extra attention. Okay? God promised me he's going to prove himself faithful. And I've seen that happen a number of times, but that was where it began, really, um, on that night. And I've, I've had a lot of hope that has helped me persevere over the years because I believe that he's going to prove himself faithful. And there's been instances all along, but I'm in this place now, and maybe I'll share an instance or so uh, later, but I want you guys to have the opportunity now. But I'm in this place now of like, it's like the buildup of everything. And I'm like, God, I know you're going to prove yourself faithful. You're not, I know you're going to come through. And there's little instances in my life I could tell you about that I'm believing him for specifics. But overall, I'm like, you're going to come through and help Travis Span exist. It's at that baseline level. When you're talking about existence, you know, that's, that's about as raw and basic as it gets. I know you're going to come through. You're going to prove yourself faithful and show Travis how to exist. Not just show me how, but give me the strength to keep existing. All right. So I want you guys to uh, have the freedom now and whoever wants to speak about times when God has proved himself faithful. Come on. Good question. Zion's going to get us started, but she also said, are, are we going to have the kids go back? Um, do we have volunteers for kids tonight? Okay, we do. So I wanted to give the kids a chance. So um, let's let the kids go first if they would like to share. Zion obviously does. And if any of the other kids want to, you don't have to, but you get to if you want to. Um, I was over there in the corner, and I was um, drawing a picture, and then suddenly, like, I just, I just was gonna draw a flower, and I was just thinking a flower is faithful. But it was before um, my dad um, made the kids come over here. So then, after I drew the flower, I came over here, and I was like, a flower is faithful. Because it blooms and it's faithful to keep blooming. So good, babe. I love it. The Holy Spirit just he he he's continuing to move and just weave themes. Any the other kids want to share about a time when God proved himself faithful? All right, if no kids want to share, then you guys may go back and leave the big kids. We're going to cry without you. Harris is going to call me, and I'm going to leave the phone on so they can hear what's going on. It's pretty nifty. Are you there? All right. Who else? There was an incident maybe 15 years ago when 
I was just in a difficult place financially. I was living out in the country, and I, I didn't have enough money to cover what I needed to cover. And I went to my mailbox one day, and there was a letter from a friend of mine that I hadn't seen for probably 10 years, at least 10 years, and I was just delighted because I thought, oh, this is great. I haven't heard from her for a long time. So I'm driving into town to try to make some arrangements and stopped at a stop sign, opened up the envelope, and inside there was a check for $3,000. And I just figured she made a mistake <laughs> because I just couldn't imagine, because I, I know her, I knew they didn't have like lots and lots of extra money. So I didn't deposit it right away because I just wanted to make sure this was okay. I didn't want to mess with them. So I called her and said, um, you sent me this. Is this really what you intended to do? And she said, God told me to send that to you. And he told me if I didn't send it, he was going to have somebody else send it to you. So he's abundantly faithful. Thank you, Laura. So uh, one of the, I think, biggest ways that God has shown his faithfulness to me in my life is just his continual sort of like revelation to me of what it means that he's my father. Um, just because I kind of, I grew up without a dad. And uh, for most of my life, I, I, I mean, you hear that God is your father. Um, and I believe that and I received that. Um, I mean, as much as I was able to, I was I like leaned into it, but I had no idea what that meant. And it wasn't until I got to be like in college or in seminary where I was like, oh, I don't know, God, I don't know what it means that you're my father. And uh, that was actually something that was that he I feel like he had been like demonstrating his fatherly love for me throughout my entire life and especially up into my high school years. But um, there was always just this this fear that he wasn't there, that he wouldn't be there for me when I needed him. And um, just, he just keeps showing up, like, and he just keeps being there, and he's so faithful. Every, it's not just like a, a one and done. It's not just a, you get into heaven and, and you're good, but like every day, his faithfulness is there. His faithfulness is new every day. Um, it's like, not even every day, but like, in every moment, he is faithful. In every moment, his faithfulness is is renewed and is abundant, and um, and that and that's that's a really big part of what it means that he's our father is that he's there for us when we need him, and so that's that's kind of uh, been a really significant part of my walk and my journey. You guys know me in alliteration, but so we had. A faithful flower, faithfulness and finances, and the faithful father. Little things like that encourage me that we're in a theme. If you don't have, uh, you know, an F, that you're not disqualified. Come and share. <laughs> Maybe one of the Ferraros is supposed to share. <laughs> So I qualify because I'm Ferraro, so I don't have to have an F, right? Um, there's been so many times that the Lord has been faithful in my life that I was like trying to debate which one to share. But I'll go with food. How about that? Um, which also has finances. So when we rededicated our lives to walk with the Lord, he called us out of the world. He called us out of our jobs. He called us out of our home, out of our hometown, out of our familiar family relationships, and we moved to a farm. There's an F. We moved to farm, <laughs> family farm. <laughs> and his faithfulness, the scripture he gave us is, if we leave all these things for his sake, he'll return them. 
and he has. He's been faithful in that a hundredfold. Land, family, friends, jobs, um, along with persecution. So <laughs> that's been had for sure <laughs> and continues to be had. But my food story is um, we were not good stewards of finances. We were um, young, married right out of college, and chased the American dream like most people do and spent more than we made, and we made a lot in what we did. And God told us to be faithful in our finances and to get out of debt. And we cashed in our 401ks, cashed in everything we had, and to the penny it took us to get out of debt. And we moved to a farm where we made $500 as a family per week. And there was one time where we had no money to buy groceries. And you know that we eat very strictly um, we tried to steward our temples well and eat wholesome, and we were we had no food that night. <clears throat> and it happened to be that Davy had to move chickens on the farm that day, and when he went to go move chickens, one had actually passed away. And so he was faithful down to providing dinner that night <laughs> for us. I don't remember. Oh, yeah, and then the pastor of the church we were attending invited us over to dinner that week, just random acts of kindness and his faithfulness of showing, I've got you. You are being obedient. You're walking in the way that I've asked you to, and I'll carry you if you just keep believing and trusting. So we haven't left that. We still financially month to month don't make it, but somehow he shows up. So we're trusting that we're doing right. Oh, man, I could sit up here and talk for five, six hours about the faithfulness of God and how he's delivered me and, gosh, so much stuff. But I would say all this started when I called the Lord on his word. And I said, back in 2013, we had not moved to the farm yet. And I asked the Lord, I said, I'm, I'm reading in your word right now, John, um, yeah, John 14, 12, and it says if, that we will do greater things, greater things than Jesus has done. And then I was like, show me somebody that does the greater things. Show me somebody that walks in your fullness. Show me somebody that walks in your health, that walks in just your obedience and your love. Show me. Well, that I, I'm still on that journey because the Lord is really, truly making me into that person. But I can tell you our first step when we got to that farm, it made no sense. Um, had this huge blowout with my father. There's an F. Um, he didn't understand what I was doing. He couldn't. And I was like, I'm following Jesus. We were the first ones to be like, no, we're, we're, we are all in. Like we, Jesus, I put them all eggs in so many different baskets. Everything is in. And I remember we went up two weekends and we're moving onto the farm. Uh, we moved into an apartment. Uh, that was above the horse stalls and I got out there on the deck and it was like our last move up there and Grammy and granddad um, were there with us and I went out there by myself on this patio at like 1130 at night and I was like Lord this makes no sense and I said but I've done what you've asked me to do and there were so many different things that he was showing along the way he was speaking through like Emma at five years old and her reading his word to me there's just so many things, the Lord was like, yep, this is where I'm taking you. And I just said, Lord, if this is you, um, send me a shooting star. And I couldn't even get shooting star out of my mouth. And there wasn't one, but there was two. A God that can respond to a finite human being who's sitting on the back porch with nothing, who can move a star across the galaxy and shoot it, why would I not be faithful to him? And I've never lost sight of that. Like, this is the God who can move in an instant. I've seen him raise my father-in-law from the dead. I've seen him come through finances when I thought there was no way, losing scholarships, and then the Lord come through and to go to school free. I've seen him come through on papers that I've had to write that make no sense in the books that I've had to do. And I'm just like, Lord, I don't even know. I'm literally getting on my hands and knees. I'm just like, Lord, I have no clue what to write, but I have to turn something in. And he always comes through every single time. So the faithfulness is there. And that's why a lot of times I think he's just building us up to step out in the middle of nowhere 
knowing that not only does he have us, but our eyes are fixed on him. So he's faithful. He's faithful in this group. He's faithful in the gym that he's called us to build. And we had no finances for that. The Lord has built it. He's brought the people. He's doing his work. So, yeah, I was just, it's just a big capital F for faithful. <laughs> Thank you, Davey. So um, while Nicholas was sharing, uh, the word unfailing came to me. And um, in keeping with the, tr the F tradition, I looked up some synonyms for unfailing. And, and the one that I, that I saw that started with an F was failsafe. And one, one of the meanings for failsafe was zero chance of failing. Zero chance of failing. And that's exactly... What I was thinking about in my life while I was listening to the people share before me is that I've gone through so many, it's, it's hard to, there are some major ones that stick out for sure, but um, in my day-to-day -day life, you know, it's such, it's such a common thing for my life now um, that that's the feeling that I have about God's faithfulness is that it is fail safe. I know like I walk with a, and man, it's just like, listen, I true, I don't deserve the grace that I have. There's not, there's not a fiber of me that des deserves the grace that I've been blessed with, man, because I have been wretched, wretched, like, whew. but the, the calmness and the peace um, that comes with the understanding and having the experience you know, and the understanding and the consciousness of, of the experience of God's fail-safe faithfulness. Oh, my gosh, man. You know, praise Jesus. I'm just going to give a quick one real quick. And this is just the most recent one, and it happened yesterday. So we're in the booth recording a song, right? And uh, <laughs> this happens to us on a daily almost. Like, I'm still upset. I think all the time, like, we need to be documenting this stuff. We need, that, we need to be journaling this stuff. No, you know what? I'm going to talk about, uh, no, it's not coming to me right now, so I'm not. But anyways, we were in the booth the other day, and, um, you know, we're recording this this uh, chorus, right? And, um, you know, it's, it's a technical process, but you layer tracks, right? You layer tracks of vocals um, to get the sound that you want and to make it, you know, pleasant. And uh, we did three, like, alto, tenor, though you, those of y'all that are familiar with music, those are, like, in the middle, right? The, in the middle. They give the, the backbone. Um, but we needed some high pitch with it, right? We need some high pitch with it just to give it a little sparkle, give it that, you know. And um, so we're playing back the three alto tracks that we did. And, and both of us, I, I stop and I'm like, bro, did you do a high pitch one? And he's like, no. So we listened back to all three tracks individually, and they're all bassy, like heavy feeling tracks. And <laughs> I don't know how to explain, but you can clearly hear Travis's high, higher pitch soprano type, falsetto type voice in those, and it was perfect. You know, and I kept playing it back and listening to it. And it's clearly there. It was clearly there. It's, it's not like it was just like something that was faint in the background. Or it was just like, it, it was like a perfect, it, it was as if we recorded some high-pitched vocals and had them perfectly mixed in. And it's just like, how do you, how do you explain that? You know, but we don't need to explain it because we know what it is. You know, it's just God's grace on, on what we're doing, you know. Um, so, yeah, man. Thank you, Tony.
So I came back to Kentucky from being away for a little over two years in 2017, December of 2017. And one of the reasons I came back is because I felt God had a job opening for me in Frankfurt joining the state government. And, you know, what's that? Oh, Frankfurt. There we go. That's right. Frankfurt. Yeah, that's true. And so I came back thinking that it was going to be, and I, hear me out when I say, I don't advocate leaving a job and going to another job, typically, unless that job is waiting for you. You know, I just, I, um, but I did it. I just, you know, kind of audaciously left where I was at, came to Kentucky, not having the job set up, but believing just like in my spirit, like this is the right decision. Travis, all Travis is is ardently making sure I talk about the three the three letters FBI. So I was in the FBI for a few years, um, and oh, that's true, that's true, another F. Um, so anyway, yeah, so I left that position, and it was great. You know, God had, was blessing me there, but you know, very similarly to to the Ferraros, it was just something I felt like well, I just need to do this. This is, and I had a desire in my heart too as well. Anyway, that being said, kind of fast forward. I didn't have a job, and I didn't feel like God was telling me to have a job for probably close to three months. And then, so bringing Mr. Walling in this story, so I end up working at Amazon pushing carts for three months. And if, you, if you've ever been in Amazon before, it's again, it was a blessing being there, but that warehouse, at least to me, just reminded me of being in a dungeon, legitimately. Now, I don't know if Chris, you could you could empathize with that, but it, it literally was dark. There was there were no windows, and I just pushed carts. I mean, Chris and I would. I mean, you push carts for what ten straight hours, right? So I mean, it's like cardio. You're losing weight. You're you know burning calories. You're nonstop pushing carts. You know. Anyway, so I can't explain to you all. It's tough to be able to fully articulate what that feeling was being in in there, but it was as if it was like I was in a prison cell and I couldn't get out. It was like I could I could hardly breathe, I could hardly move, and it was mainly in my mind, but the type of warfare, the type of attack I was experiencing was unlike anything I've ever experienced before in my life. Um, and to the point where it was like daily getting up, I just like, I didn't know how I was going to make it to the next, next step. Um, it was it was so intense, and I I don't have enough time to to share every you know tidbit of information here about my experience. But what I want to say is, oftentimes when we're in a state of oppression, attack, we can't we we feel like we can't get out. And I feel like a lot of a lot of times people get in this position where it's like you're under such heavy attack, under such heavy assault you feel like there's no way out of this. Like, I don't know how I'm literally going to get out of this space where I'm at. And I can just tell you, sometimes God is the God of, you know, breakthrough instantaneously, where he comes through, and we see that in Scripture, and, and some of us can attest to, like, being instantaneously healed and delivered. And certainly God does that. I'm an advocate of, of God instantaneously coming through. But I also know God is so invested in, like, look, will you just look to me? When you've done nothing else, but stand, stand, and look to me. And know that I'm faithfully going to get you out of this situation you're in. But it's going to be on my timetable. And, and, and in those moments where we can just look to him and just choose, because he gives us a volition. We have a volition where we can actually choose. We have a self-will he's given us where we can choose to choose him. You know, And in those moments, I was in Amazon, so I was in, in the Amazon legitimately, for three months, and then God opened a door, and like supernaturally, I'm like getting, in, you know, a job interview. Well, actually, no, I take that back. I got a job interview while I was at Amazon with the state, with state government, but literally it didn't happen. Like, I think a, a month fast forward from that, that's when they actually offered me the job. So I was like, what's going on? Anyway, that's another story. But what I can say is God supernaturally got me out of that job and put me in Frankfurt. And like, it was like, I can't tell you the moment where that the type of assault and attack ended but I can tell you with with the grace God gave me just to hang in there just to hang in you know um he lifted that from me 
like legitimately. And that's just, you know, an encouragement for all of us and for myself, even telling that to myself again. It's like, if we just hang in there with the Lord, just choose to hang in, you know, even we feel like we can't, it's like, just hang in there, you know, like a boxer, you know, hang in. Um, because you're going to see the TKO. God you know, is, is crushing Satan underneath our feet, and he's crushing the old man underneath our feet too. Um, and I can just attest to that. I legitimately am standing here today, and like, it's almost crazy because like, emotionally, how could I have gotten to this point? And it's by the grace of God. It's his, it's his spirit. But he also gave me the grace to choose each day just to like, look to him. And he sustained me. Sustained me so. Thank you, Michael. So I think the Lord wanted me to say a little bit about receiving uh, his saving faith. Uh, I, I was one of those that was in church every Sunday. Whitewashed tomb would be a real good uh, descriptor. Uh, but uh, April 2020... Uh, he brought us, brought me to the book of Acts. I'd only read if I was preparing a Sunday school lesson or something like that. And uh, this really convicted me. I was like, who is this Holy Spirit? As we were reading, preparing for this Zoom Sunday school lesson. And um, so I started reading scripture, started praying. And uh, as as it would have it, Lord in his faithfulness uh, brought me to Jesus in the garden. And so I've never heard anyone preach on giving your life to Jesus. I'll be, I've been in churches, mainline churches, really hadn't heard the gospel. But um, I just started praying that. Not your will, but your will be done. You know, not your will, but your will be done. And he uh, as he is always faithful he he came through and um, <clears throat> day was day was may twenty fourth twenty twenty which was, uh, I didn't know, I grew up Presbyterian, but I found out later that that was uh, the day Wesley was born again. And uh, someone gave me a book on Wesley, a biography, and I read that, and I said, I'm all in, Lord. You can do it again. That was what I was thinking of when I heard that song. I've heard it many times, but and he is doing it again. Thank you, Chance. Faithfulness for future. <laughs> At, uh, one of the biggest parts of that would be uh, how God just turned a whole family around through my father's salvation. But uh, Michael, uh, I too left a job not knowing what was next. Uh, and I don't know if you did the similar. Uh, I, I taught at Wilmore Elementary for 13 years and I, God made me so miserable that I, I had to leave. <laughs> and uh, it was, it was not a miserable job, you know. It's just that uh, I knew that I was supposed to move on, but I didn't know what the next step was. So I uh, chose not to come back the next year and uh, started meeting just randomly. Uh, Huli Goddard, who's the Anglican pastor now, um, worked with the youth with him, and 
he invited some of the, some men to uh, meet in his little building early morning to pray and share. And uh, guy was on furlough from the Dominican Republic, the director of a ministry down there, and he needed someone with a master's in education to head up the education part of the program. And um, God put us together, and that's where we ended up next. So kind of a how God works. Um, I know you left Providence, but I don't know if you knew what you were doing next. Yeah, because we've talked about that in that prayer time. So, <laughs> do you remember? Um, anyway, God is faithful for our future, and uh, uh, he continues to be, uh, put me in a position now to finish my career. Um, that's uh, financially going to be good because um, I actually have 33 extra days a year I get paid for through the county. So that really helps your retirement because they average your five best years. So <laughs> anyway, God's faithful in our futures, and he will continue to do that. Thank you, Bob. I never knew uh, that Mr. Moore, as I used to call him back then, who was my fifth grade math teacher, I never knew he was miserable. <laughs> I always liked Mr. Moore, so he had grace cloaked, cloaking him from any uh, miserableness. Um, I was just sitting there and just thinking about what to say. This, there's so much to say. Um, I mean, he's faithful just in the life that I have. I, I don't deserve it. Um, like my family and I were from northeastern part of India, a place where no one really leaves, um, but my dad, like I was blessed with obedient parents. Um, they left everything they knew and had, and they moved to Hong Kong, um, the second most expensive city in the world at, uh, uh, city, yeah, in the world in 2000. Um, and God just provided for them. Um, like times where my dad didn't even have enough money to buy food for me, but God would come through. Um, and my dad struggled a lot there, um, from being someone important in India to being nothing in Hong Kong. And then he opened the door for him to come to go to China and God protected us all that time you know, in a communist regime where, you know, like he was interrogated, um, kicked out of the country. Um, things are just turbulent there, but my, my parents are still there. Um, and God opened the door for me to come here. And I don't think about it a lot, but it's impossible. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm a foreigner and I, I got, you know, God brought me my wife and that opened the door for me to live here and have a life here. Um, and he's just shown me his faithfulness time and time again, even though when, even though I don't, even when I don't deserve it, even when I forget it, he's, he's gracious. Um, sometimes, you know, when I, when I'm reading, I was reading in Exodus how the people of Israel, they're taken out from, from, from Egypt. Um, God was so faithful to protect them the whole time. Moses goes up to the mountain, and they, 
And they're like, I don't know when this guy is coming back. Uh, so then they ask Aaron to build that that cow. Uh, and like, you know, the American dream, sometimes I, I get, you know, distracted by that. And, um, but God, God is so faithful, um, even when I'm not faithful. Uh, he's gracious even in the times when I forget where all these blessings come from. Um, he doesn't withhold it or take it away. Um, he, he, he reminds me, but yeah, he's, he's so faithful. And even when I don't deserve it, he's for me, even when I think these things are against me, but everything that he does is, is for me. Um, so yeah, that's what I wanted to share. Thank you, Adani. Anybody else? Well, we'll round down here in the next few minutes. Um, there were a couple instances coming to mind for me. Um, the first one, this actually came to mind while we were um, worshiping, which is one of the reasons I wanted us to stir up our remembrance about God's faithfulness. But um, this instance I was thinking about was, it was less than a year into me walking with God. And I went from having never read the Bible um, and living the way I was to, you know, a complete turnaround. And so I spent that first year just, what is the Old Testament about? You know, I remember opening it up and like, it was like Egyptian hieroglyphics to me. I'm like, God, I cry out to you to show me what's going on in this Old Testament. And he did. He was faithful to do that. But that's not the instance I was talking about. Um, Ten months or so into my walk with God, um, my dad was pastoring this um, High Bridge Union church out in High Bridge. He's still pastoring there. Um, this was his first year there, 2005, and he was going to be traveling to do a camp meeting, and he asked me um, if I would preach for him while he was gone. And I said, yes, Dad, uh, I'll do that. And uh, I didn't you know, know what I was doing, and um, I wasn't, like, stressed out or afraid, but I was just like, you know, I, I take this as a real responsibility to say something to people in Jesus's name. Um, so anyway, I was like, well, this would probably be a good time for me to start fasting. So, uh, I jumped right into that too. Um, so my, my first experience with fasting, I was like, well, I'm going to go three days, uh, without any food and, and, and just water <laughs> that, you know, I went from like, you know, I was like, Lifting weights hard, I uh, was, you know, preparing for my senior year at Asbury, playing basketball, and so I'm just, like, playing pickup several times a week, hitting the weights hard, and then I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, fast with water for three days, and <laughs> I had kind of a rude awakening physically, um, but more than physically, what I was going through, um, that fast was the first time that I can recall where it was tangible hand-to-hand -hand combat spiritual warfare. I remember being on uh, my bed in my uh, bedroom at my parents' house and just like being on there and just feeling like my face was being shredded. And I was like, I was just seeing like all these demons uh, just rushing against me and like tormenting me, like not actually physically, but like pulling my hair and it was like torture. Um, and I'd never experienced anything like that. Um, and I remember calling Karis, and she's back her 18-year-old self in Pennsylvania. We've been dating for nine months at this point. And I'm telling her about, you know, what I'm going through. And she already knew I was fasting. I was telling her experiences, and I was like, I think I'm just going to eat. And, um, like, it was a day or so early. <laughs> Par for the course with Karis. God has used her so many times to correct me, to encourage me, a lot of correction, a lot of rebukes. Um, 
Sometimes she doesn't handle them totally in the fruit of the Spirit, but (laughs) she does uh, speak the truth of God to me. But she was like, I don't think you should duck out early. I don't, I don't think you should. I think you should carry it out. And I'm like, okay. Uh. And like I'm going to like, I was a camp counselor at some local summer camp here. And so I'm like, all these kids, I'm leading them like, uh. um, anyway, it comes to the point that the evening right before the Sunday is when it was my three day ending. And so my mom cooked a big pancake breakfast, and it was awesome. Um, And then the next day I went, and I put on this suit, because my dad always wears a suit when he he preaches. And so I put on this suit, and I remember going up there uh, before the people, and all I, 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 like, tried to spend hours preparing. All I knew was that, um, like, the goal of life was to know God. That's what I had come up with, at least. And uh, that's what I was going to talk about. And it was my first um, really tangible experience with, like, the anointing. Because it's like I came up there, and I I remember saying this, and I knew I was going to say this first. It's like, well, I'm dressed in this suit, but, you know, I don't consider myself a professional preacher. So I said that. And like from that point, it was like lightning hit me and I was just totally beside myself. I was saying things that I didn't even know. Like, I, like as I'm saying them, I'm like learning them. And, um, and I see like it's like the room, you, like you can hear a pin drop and people's eyes um, are like locked on me. And there's, you know, people um, getting touched, crying. And it was my first experience with God's faithfulness um, to back me up when I was talking about him. And um, that really got me on a track. It got me more energized about fasting, and uh, I had to learn a lot of stuff. I didn't earn that from him, uh, that anointing, through my payment of fasting. He gave me the grace to fast to prepare, for, prepare me for that day. But um, there were so many other things since then, but that was, it was that memory that, um, that I was thinking about for some reason. Um, but I'm like some of you who've already mentioned this, how could I begin to go on right now um, about all the ways he's shown himself faithful? Um, but uh, I'll bring Karis back in to the situation, and some of you know this, but that night in 2004, August 8th, 2004, when I was delivered uh, through the hands and through the voice of that 18-year-old Georgia boy, one of the things he said, he, and it's, he said four things to me, okay? <laughs> I had these four prophetic words. And one of the things he uh, said was like, um, he said, God has a wife for you. He knows you want a companion. And I always describe it this way. I never thought girls were icky. Never. I never thought they had cooties or anything like that. I mean, I was like two years old crushing, okay? At three, I had my first official girlfriend named Tessa. I ended the relationship when she was feeling sick one day in in gym class, and she threw up on the floor, and I was instantly not attracted anymore, (laughs) This is a true story, okay? This is preschool. I still remember the gym and that happened. And, and I was like, that's it. I can't, she can't be my girlfriend anymore. I, I'll never look at her the same. Okay, I was totally carnal and shallow, okay? But from that point on, I never had um, a relationship with a girl that lasted more than a few weeks. Uh, and then I just lose interest or whatever. And it's probably my own issues. I'm sure it was my own issues. Um, but I always had this deep desire for a companion. And days before I went down to Georgia, I was at one of the animal houses that uh, me and my buddies used to inhabit, drinking, drugging it up, and I was just out of my mind. And I decided I was going to leave the party and go out and have my own party in my 1993 GMC Jimmy. So I went into the back of what we called James. Um, 
That was my vehicle uh, that we, we named James. And I put the seat down in the back. You could, you know, and I, I laid in the back there. And I put this mix on, CD mix, before the, uh, way before uh, the iPhones and even before the iPods. I put this mix on and I had some of these like, like love songs on there to like set the tune or set the tone for me to like dream of the one. And again, I'd been dreaming of the one since like Tessa. Okay. So even though I was just 21 at the time, I've been going a long time at this. And so I'm there intoxicated, almost out of my mind, but not so much that I can't remember exactly that moment. And I can remember the song that I was playing. You know this song, Ken. It was, When a Man Loves a Woman. When a man loves a woman. And that was just belting. And I was in the, I mean, laid back, I'm like, yes. I, I was just dreaming. And like, you know, fantasizing, not in an immoral way, fantasizing in like a dream of this person that I would actually fall for for more than a few weeks. (laughs) This person that, you know, didn't just have the physical attraction, but she had a soul that was so deep and I just wanted to discover. Just dreaming about that. And days later... I'm delivered from, I mean, I went to Georgia still intoxicated chemicals in my body and I was delivered and that guy, Luke said, Travis, the Lord has a wife for you. He wants you to know, he, he knows you want a companion. He knows you've always wanted a companion. And it was that fever pitch at this point that I was just like, and I think it was kind of like Adam in the garden where God put this hole in his spirit, in his heart even before sin. And he knew inside of him, he was longing for something he couldn't even articulate. He probably didn't even have the framework for female or girl. There was just some aching in him, some hunger for something he didn't even know. And all of a sudden, God puts him in a deep slumber and he wakes up and he's like, it was you. You are what I was dreaming of. You were that pain in my side. You know what I'm saying? That's where she came from. That rib was just ready to go. Something within him was longing for bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. And ever since Tessa, I had that longing, probably before that too. And he says that night, Luke says, she's right here praying for you. She's on the earth. She's a prayer warrior, and she's praying for you right now. And without going and tell the whole testimony, Karis had already committed to another college. She was already going, had the application in the mailbox, and she started weeping and she, it was the first time she'd ever heard God's voice. It's like, no, you're going to go to Asbury. She put on her Asbury sweatshirt that she had gotten from one of her sisters on a visit, and she said the peace of God came over, and she knew she was going to Asbury. So Luke prays for me August 8th, and August 25th or something, weeks later, I see this little short Mennonite girl, and my world was undone. It was love and not agape you know obviously I don't well God can do whatever he wants with the heart but I was completely sold the first sight I had Um, if you want to hear more about that you can listen to my six minute song called Karis um, where I tell it in six minutes it's much longer than the story (laughs) Um, but God was faithful he was faithful to bring me bone of my bone flesh of my flesh He was faithful to bring the one I was longing for, aching for, even dead in my sin, in my intoxicated mind. Listen to who? Percy? Percy? Who sings the song? Percy Sledge. Is that him? Yeah. Percy Sledge, who sings When a Man Loves a Woman. Even Percy, while Percy Sledge is singing, God's like, just be patient, young man. In a few weeks, she's 
coming to your doorstep. So, um, so many more things, and Karis and I together have all kinds of stories to tell about God's faithfulness. But I think it's, it's time for uh, us to, to end this. Um, we'll do it later, man. We're, we're past time. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I think, I think we need to continue this because there's more stories for more people to tell, and I just feel like it, it stirs up our faith to believe he's going to do it again. Um, plus I want to hear something more from the queen of Kenya and Chris, I was telling Zion about you guys story today. She was so interested in it. We were just laying there and kind of wrestling and I told her about you guys. She was like locked in father. We thank you for being who you are. You are faithful. You cannot be anything else. It's, it comes from your essence. You give us the desires of your heart. You created us. You put desires in us that you knew that you were going to bring to pass. We declare that that's who you are. That is who you are. Let God be true, but every man a liar. Even if we are faithless, you remain faithful. And Lord, every area of our lives, you are faithful and you will be faithful. And though we live in this broken system and these demonic doctrines of lies and we have pain and misinterpretations because we've walked so much by sight and not by faith, you trump all of that. You are faithful. And I declare that over us tonight. And we, we give you in thanksgiving and praise all these instances of your faithfulness. We give them back to you as a gift. We say, thank you, Dad. We love you. We love you, and we receive your love in the form of faithfulness. Love never fails. Love is fail-safe, and you are love. We bless you, God, and we welcome your fail-safe love to rush into our lives even more and more. And I ask you, Father, to help us perceive it like never before the present ways you're being faithful and the past ways that you've been faithful and give us faith, like Bob said, for your future faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen.